This week on Roundtable, covering sports in San Diego beyond play on the field. How do sports serve as a platform for justice, equity, and community? From high schoolers calling out hate to women breaking industry barriers, and the one local team having its best season in decades. We're diving into it all. I'm Matt Hoffman, and this is KPBS Roundtable. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. I know we'll be viewed in a negative light for protesting the game, but it's not just a game that we're protesting. That's what everybody's missing. We're not just standing up for Lincoln High School. We're standing up for every other team that's also been treated unfairly and unjust. And this is what the remarks. I mean, it's just not, it's not acceptable. Fall means Friday night lights are back at high schools, but a marquee matchup between two of the best football teams is not happening, and it's not because of the pandemic. This is a story less about sports and more about race, class, and humanity. This week, Lincoln High School, a public school that largely serves students of color in southeast San Diego, announced that it will not participate in a game against Cathedral Catholic. That's a private school located in Carmel Valley. Now, this all goes back to racist social media posts from the pandemic spring season earlier this year and how staff at Lincoln say that Cathedral Catholic has not done nearly enough to address the issue. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez is here to talk with us all about it. Hey, M.G. Hello. Okay, so let's briefly lay out the root of this issue. What was posted online by Cathedral Catholic back in April? Well, as is the case in this day and age, it was all about what was on social media. And there were pictures that featured the Catholic football players, several of them. In one case, they were wearing a T-shirt that said Catholics versus convicts. Uh, In another picture, players were mimicking what appeared to be gang signs. So the implication was definitely a slam on the Lincoln football players. Now, there were some consequences here. How was Cathedral Catholic punished? So the consequences included the suspension of the head coach, Sean Doyle, for two games, and the team was put on two years probation and ordered to implement some kind of education program that would hopefully educate their football players and other students around uh, what racism is and why it's wrong. This week, Lincoln was scheduled to play Cathedral Catholic, but the coach for Lincoln, backed by school officials, said that won't be happening. David Dunn says it's about protecting the players' dignity and respect. Uh, MG, what else did he say in his statement that he put out this week? Well, he did also mention, he said in his statement, we acknowledge that members of the cathedral community have made an effort to connect with coaches and faculty at Lincoln. However, his interpretation is that there needs to be more deliberate, intentional efforts to combat uh, racism. So basically he's saying the apology is not enough. Actions speak louder than words, and that's what they want to, to see at Lincoln. We'll follow up on Cathedral Catholic's response in a bit, but first let's get some more perspective on Lincoln. Now, you recently profiled its principal, Melissa Agudelo. In that story, her dedication to her students really comes through, especially for students of color. What do you think people should know about the makeup of Lincoln's student body? Well, the simple answer to that is that the majority of students at Lincoln High School are Hispanic or of Latin uh, heritage. So that is a majority that the principal 
definitely wants to make sure is heard and whose voice is included in the voices of all the student population at the high school. Now, we've seen this sort of thing before. Just a few months back, the tortilla throwing incident at Coronado High School, it targeted players from Orange Glen's basketball team, and that story got national attention. And just like this latest story, race and class are at the heart of it. Generally, MG, what can teachers and coaches do to deal with these painful moments? Teachers and coaches are models for students, and their young minds are being formed uh, in the course of their education. So it really comes down to that. What are teachers and coaches modeling for their students? And if there is an environment, if there is a sense that it's okay to make offensive jokes, then guess what? Students are going to do that. So the best thing that teachers and uh, coaches can do is to model appropriate behavior and, and to educate. Use it as a teaching moment uh, on what is right and wrong. Lincoln's coach decided that it was more valuable to the school and the team not to engage with Cathedral Catholic this year. And we know that you're not just an education reporter, but also a former teacher. And the phrase teachable moment is a cliche. But do you think that there's some value in this move that will stick with these Lincoln players beyond whatever may have happened during another football game? Absolutely. Uh, Social media, whether you love it or hate it, is here to stay, at least for the moment. And so it can be used for good. And so I think the teachable moment here is that what was done is wrong. Racism is wrong. And as we know, a national conversation erupted last year in 2020 after the death of uh, George Floyd. And that was an opportunity for adults and teachers and coaches to talk about the issue and find out, you know, what do they believe and what is right and what is wrong. And again, I go back to the modeling. That's really what it is. Uh, Students will model what they see. And so then you have to wonder what is the bigger issue and what is the culture like at Cathedral Catholic that this would even happen. And what about the reaction from Cathedral Catholic and all this? What are we hearing from the school or even its coach? What they're saying is that it's wrong, and what they're also saying is that they have tried their best to correct the problem. So the issue, as far as they're concerned, is at least in the process of finding a solution. Clearly, Lincoln High School is not in agreement with that. And those who run local high school sports have made a decision here. This is going to cost Lincoln in the standings, right? It is. The San Diego CIF uh, commissioner, uh, Joe Hines, announced that Lincoln will be given a forfeit loss because they have decided not to participate in uh, Friday's game, and Cathedral will get a forfeit win in this case. And so we know that these two teams are not playing each other this year, but will they ever play again, or is there something that sort of has to happen for them to play again? Well, I think the stand that Lincoln has taken, and the coach has taken in particular, is the answer to that, and that is an apology is not enough. So the question of whether they will play on the field again, I think, will be determined by what Catholic's response is to this statement from Lincoln, and, uh, and then we'll have to determine whether they're satisfied with that before they feel safe and able to go back on the field with that team. I've been speaking with M.G. Perez. He's our education reporter here at KPBS, and thanks so much for your time, M.G. Thank you. We have other reporting on this that adds context to the story. KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim got reaction from local coaches, including Lincoln High coach David Dunn. And while talking with MG, we did mention this profile of Lincoln High School principal Melissa Agudelo. Here's an excerpt from that story. 
For me to get to be back in a school full of black and brown kids that look like me and... Everyday Melissa Agudelo is grateful to be walking the sprawling campus here at Lincoln High School. She is one of two principals responsible for 1,500 students. Many of them she knows by name and speaks their language. Hi, TK. How you doing, sweetheart? Good. Good to see you. I'm proud to be a Latina leader here at, at, at Lincoln. I'm proud to be able to be someone who speaks Spanish to them when they need me to speak Spanish who can have them come in and be upset and say, no puedo en inglés. Okay, that's fine, speak to me in Spanish. Buenos dias, como estas? Again, that's from a recent feature from KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez. You can stream all of our local content anytime on the KPBS YouTube page. Stories like the one involving Lincoln High School highlight issues of equity and representation in sports. And part of this includes which sports are covered and who covers them. That was part of the focus of a Women in Sports Summit hosted recently by ESPN right here in San Diego. It featured women athletes and journalists sharing their stories and advice. Samantha Rivera is a reporter for Fox 5 here in San Diego, and she's here to tell us all about it. Hey, Samantha. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Of course. So ESPNW is the umbrella brand for ESPN's coverage of women's sports. Now you talked with its founder. What did she say that stood out to you? Yeah, she was amazing. I felt so lucky to be able to talk to her. She made a great point about relationships in sports and women, not just being one-on-one anymore, because there really is an entire network of us now able and willing to help each other out. So events like these really help you feel comfortable and confident. You can really take on the world with the support of these women behind you. ESPN baseball announcer Jessica Mendoza was also at this event. She was part of an all-women play-by-play team earlier this year, the first in MLB history. That's when she and Melanie Newman called a Padres-Dodger game last month. Their rise is an example of the persistence that you describe as the theme of this event. What other gains can we point to over the past year or so? Well, most recently, the AHL announced they would have 10 female referees working this season. They had no female official before this, which is truly just insane to me. And then there was also Sarah Thomas, who the first woman to officiate a Super Bowl game. So just stuff that really makes you proud to, to see it happening. But at the same time, question why it's taken that long to happen. But, you know, nonetheless, it's, it's been great to see these sorts of things happen. And of course, the San Diego goals are part of the AHL here in San Diego, uh, but sort of working as a woman in sports, especially on camera, it brings a set of challenges that men simply don't have to deal with. How do events like this help build support systems, especially for those just starting in the industry and women of color? Oh, my gosh, they are so, so helpful. Just sharing your stories, raising your level of confidence, knowing that you have an army of women who will be there for you. It's so, so important to find that group of women who will really have your back no matter what. Here in San Diego, we will soon have our own women's pro team. The National Women's Soccer League is expanding and a lot is still in the works, including a team name. But what can you tell us about this league and how the former Team USA coach Jill Ellis is involved? Yeah, it's a great league, very competitive, and I'm beyond excited to have it come to San Diego. Jill Ellis, with her years of experience as a team's president, and just her presence alone, I think, is going to be super important for them. She's someone women want to be around, that veteran presence to help you be better, not just as a player, but you know, growing as a person. So I think she's going to do great things here in San Diego. The NWSL has had some of its own controversies lately, including a sexual assault scandal involving a former male coach. How has the league and its players responded to that? Yeah, I've seen nothing but support for the women involved, but I've seen so many players not just asking, but telling the league to do better. And it 
ultimately led to the NWSL's commissioner and general counsel leaving. And I mean, over three years and, and three leagues and nobody did anything to stop Paul Riley is insane. So it's embarrassing. And, and I truly do hope the league finds a way to do better in the future and prevent things like that from happening. So you've been in San Diego for just under a year now. And keep in mind, we don't have a football team here anymore. What do you think about this sports town compared to other places that you've been? Yeah, it's incredible. The energy is unlike any other place that I've been to. Just meeting Padres fans has been amazing. You know, they're so passionate, whether the team wins or loses, they, they're there. And then with the SD loyal team as well, their fans are, you know, so, so loyal. They're called the locals. They show up to every game, win or lose again. And then just like random athletes that you grew up watching, you know, there's Landon Donovan, Tony Hawk, just, you know, showing up randomly around here. It's been amazing. So I, I've loved it so far. You've covered a lot of stories. Are there any that have sort of stood out to you? Yeah, most definitely. I would say recently there was a story I did about a local swim coach who beat leukemia. And right before he was officially diagnosed, he was still trying to create these workout videos for his kids, you know, during the pandemic when everything was still on lockdown. And just to see the perseverance that he had through everything, he was still so positive throughout everything and and really kind of just helping his family get through it. You know, he was the one with the positive outlook and and the mindset of, yeah, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get through this. And Yeah, he was just an incredible person to talk to. And it's been one of my favorites so far. And before we go, your channel Fox 5 is broadcasting the World Series. Who do you like this year? And what do you think of the Padres chances of maybe breaking through next year? Yeah, I've got the Braves winning it all. I'm kind of sick and tired of the Astros winning for obvious reasons. And as far as the Padres, I think they can go pretty far. They've got the right pieces. Hopefully, you know, all those injuries that we saw have gotten better and and hopefully a new manager can bring in some fun and exciting energy to, to get the guys pumped up again. Yeah, I know a lot of fans are hoping that they will go very far next year. I've been speaking with Samantha Rivera, a sports reporter for Fox 5 San Diego. Thanks so much, Samantha. Of course. Thank you. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com. This is a rivalry game, you know, and uh, um, it's an important game. And uh, uh, we right now, you know, we've got the old oil can and we'd like to keep it. That's Aztecs football head coach Brady Hoke on the challenge ahead this weekend. Now, usually San Diego State football does not get a ton of national attention, but they're on a roll. Their undefeated star is the best in decades, and they're doing it despite playing all their games on the road. It's worth talking about, and to do so, we have one of the young voices from campus covering this team. Jane Utig is the multimedia assistant editor for the Daily Aztec SDSU student-run newspaper. Thanks so much for joining us, Jane. Hi, yes. So excited to be here. So first off, the Aztecs are undefeated at seven wins, zero losses. What's next on the schedule as they try to keep the magic going? Yeah, so really exciting time to be an Aztec and also just to be here from San Diego. So this weekend on Saturday, they're going to face Fresno State at Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson. That game starts at 730 and it's going to be a big game. We're all hoping for another historic win, which will hopefully give them the momentum that they need before their game in Hawaii on November 6th. 
We have an unlikely star emerging from this team, kicker and punter Matt Ariza, who we should mention is also from Rancho Bernardo High School. He's gone viral in recent weeks. Here's what coach Brady Hoke had to say about him during his last postgame press conference. He's the MVP as far as I'm concerned right now, how he's played and what he's done. Um, And the thing that, you know, excites me the most is he comes every day and Matt's got a different attitude than maybe some other kickers would have. I mean, against Utah, he goes down, makes three tackles, right? Uh, And they're pretty daggone physical too. Why is Ariza someone to watch for Aztec fans this season? You know, first off, I just think he's been such a fun person to, fun athlete to watch this season. And of course, like, everyone's looking to see what he does every single game. And I think the turning point was definitely this past weekend in Colorado Springs against Air Force. After that kick, I mean, on Twitter, people were just retweeting it, instantly went viral. I saw a lot of tweets, like, from Nate Burleson, host of CBS Mornings, and Pat McAfee also tweeted about it so it's just become like such a fun thing to watch and talk about I mean I know on campus it's like one of the only things everyone keeps talking about in class is just how fun this football season's been and when you say that viral kick break that down for us what exactly did he do so he had an 81 yard punt against Air Force and immediately after I mean we had uh, one of our reporters Andrew Finley in Colorado Springs and as soon as that kick happened I mean Twitter was just lit up because everyone ended up turning turning the channel to watch the rest of that game because that kick was so so incredible to see. This season is unique in so many ways with the team playing its games up in Carson while a new stadium is built in Mission Valley. That's also where the Chargers played their games after first leaving San Diego. What's it been like for you and your colleagues at the Daily Aztec making those trips and getting an experience like this? It's definitely been fun but it's also been challenging. I mean this is like a really weird unusual time for us like we're all still adjusting to having classes in person having to go to them and then balancing that with like everything that we want to cover in person as student journalists but I think our passion just helped us get through those challenges I mean it's a long day as reporters you know we're there early we're there long after the game ends and that two-hour drive in between can be a little long but I mean just being able to cover the team during this historic time and have that opportunity to do that has just been really incredible to be a part of. I know we were so excited just to be back in Carson for the first game. I wasn't there. I was there at the third one, but just back at that first one before any of this undefeated stuff started happening. So yeah, we're definitely just happy to be back. And so we know that the media is still going up there and and covering the team, but are fans traveling with the team and is the home experience any different? So this season, they actually started offering $5 bus trips, round trip to and from Carson for students. I will say, however, I don't know that that has been successful. But as far as like atmosphere, I would say that there's still a lot of alumni. It's still close enough for a lot of people who graduated to go to these games. So the atmosphere is still, you know, pretty lively. And it's I think it would be nice to see a bigger student presence there, especially since the school is making it possible for them to get up there. So we know that the Aztecs will be back in Mission Valley next year. Those who have driven past the old stadium site have seen this new stadium taking shape. How is that coming along? Um, So it's coming along great. I was lucky enough to attend the topping out ceremony back in July, I want to say. And uh, just to be on the 
ground on the dirt of the future Basher Field was incredible. You can really see it has a signature look to it. It has like these sticks that are coming out of the top right now, which will be lights that will just kind of give it that open feel. And I know that they're planning on having uh, San Diego food trucks be a huge presence for the stadium. And they want to make it, you know, place where the public can come and hang out in the park or go around the future Mission Valley West campus and also enjoy concerts, football games, and other sporting events. People love college football for the pageantry, and music is a big part of the experience. You just did a story on the SDSU fight song, which is turning 85 years old. What did you learn about the school's history when doing that story? So that one was very fun. I was super excited to cover this t- this story in particular because I felt like, you know, I was at these games and I literally was watching this band. Like, they are the pulse and they pace the game like the excitement of the game is because of this band and specifically because of that fight song because every touchdown the band plays the fight song so you know you pair that with this historic record that they've been having over the past couple months and on top of that it was the 85th birthday of the song I just knew it was a great time to see what they do so I followed them for two days I uh, watched one of the rehearsals and talk to them about what they thought about the fight song and talk to coach Brian Ransom about what the fight song means to him because he's been director since the 80s and he's seen the campus change and he actually even told me that a few years ago they changed some of the lyrics to the fight song to make it more inclusive so they changed some of the lyric Aztec men to just Aztecs and Sons of Montezuma to just Mighty Montezuma That way, the women's teams could adopt the same tradition as the men's teams as singing the song whenever they won a game. So that was interesting to learn and also see that that song hasn't been changed much in the 85 years. Like sports, performing in the marching band is about teamwork and community. How have they been affected by the pandemic? Right. So they've definitely been affected in terms of, you know, just logistics. So On that Friday rehearsal, they were able to, you know, practice their uh, formations and their music. But a large part of their practice was to just go over, you know, bus assignments and seating and all those other things that need to be done for contact tracing. Because these kids are going to be sitting on a bus for two hours there and back, you know, to another city. And then everything that involves uh, transporting them, feeding them, getting all the equipment up there. It is a huge undertaking and... Coach Ransom told me that when they approached him about the band returning to the the games in Carson, that they didn't bat an eye with the expense. And he told me it was a huge expense for SDSU Athletics to get them up there. And they've been really supportive about having them back at the games. Um, but I will say, I did ask specifically, like, how does it feel to be playing at their, quote, home away from home? And a lot of them said that it was fine. You know, love. People who go to SCSU are from Southern California, so they're able to now have family maybe in the L.A. area, come see them play, and um, they're just happy to be playing, and they're also happy to be supporting an obviously undefeated team right now. We know you'll be all over it as we enter the final month of the season. How can we follow the daily Aztecs' work? And And I know you don't have a crystal ball, but do you think that there's a chance that the Aztecs could stay undefeated? So I did some surveying, you know, from the newsroom, and 
majority of the people believe that we can stay undefeated if you compare the the records this season against the upcoming teams that we have, Fresno State this weekend, um, University of Hawaii the following weekend. We at the Daily Aztec believe that they can stay undefeated and we will be there to report on it either way. And you can follow us on our social media at the Daily Aztec on Twitter and Instagram. We have at DSX Sports on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, we are actually returning our live show and you can catch that on YouTube Thursdays at 12 o'clock. I've been speaking with Jane Utig, Multimedia Assistant Editor for The Daily Aztec. Thank you so much, Jane. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I had so much fun. And we can't end the show without hearing from the Aztecs' breakout star. Here's some of Matt Ariza's back and forth with local media this week. He was talking about his new Twitter fame and bringing some overdue attention to kickers in football. I'm getting a lot of attention on Twitter recently, especially from one Pat McAfee. So how's it feel knowing a guy like guy like that with that pedigree is talking about you? That was, that was pretty cool. Um, all that stuff makes me laugh. A lot of people are really creative on Twitter, especially some of the adjectives he used. I think of all the things that I saw this weekend, my favorite was the small Heisman campaign that has begun to be built for you. Are you ready to take on such an award and all its promise? I know it's never been done in history, but there's a time. There's always a got to be a first. Uh, making the profile of Kickers Punters special team unit, making that a bigger part of the football lexicon. What does it mean for you to be a part of that as you really are that? Oh, that that's huge to me. Um, there's definitely a lot of position bias. I don't know how, how else you would say that. But um, in terms of the amount of scholarships specialists get, it's less than every other position on the field. We're usually you know, last picked for, for a lot of things. So being a part of maybe pushing that narrative that kickers and punters can be as important as anyone else on the team, that's, that's huge to me. That's, that's a big goal. Once again, if the Aztecs win this week, they'll be 8-0 for the first time since 1968. That's when Chargers legend Don Coriel was coaching the team. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's edition of KPBS Roundtable. And thank you to my guests, M.G. Perez from KPBS News, Samantha Rivera from Fox 5 San Diego, and Jane Utig from The Daily Aztec. If you missed any part of our show, you can listen anytime on the KPBS Roundtable podcast. I'm Matt Hoffman. Join us next week on Roundtable. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu.